It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist, featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist, of course, brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He's from The Athletic. He's our good friend, Sam Amick. Hey, Sam, how are you and yours? Everybody doing all right? Good afternoon, guys. Yeah, we're hanging in, you know, just... uh starting to, to get a little bit of a rhythm here and figure out these all these groundhog days that are running together. Yeah, you can say that again. It does certainly feel like groundhog day. Let me ask you this, Sam though. If if I told you that Gordon's favorite footwear was socks with uh, sandals, would you believe me? No, but I mean my respect level just got even higher, you know. I mean that's uh something I like to rock around the house. That's a good good quarantine outfit that I go to, sweatpants with the socks and with the slides um, i got no judgment at all there gordon i like it <laughs> jake you deserve that uh, sam he deserves that in so many ways guys, that i can't even you guys are both comfort uh comfort people i get it one time Although one time sam one yeah, time i made i made an appearance on television here and i happened to be wearing white socks with shower shoes, <laughs> and I, I don't. I, I don't think I've ever heard the end of it. Uh, certainly not from from Jake Scott. I was going to say what I've learned uh, during this stay at home period, and, and this is a real thing. Is like I wear. I got these slides, and I got a soft spot for them. They used to belong to my my late father, and so kind of you know a little little warm fuzzy feeling when you put them on. And but then because I try to go for walks now, just as a way to get the blood pumping a little bit um i would go on these walks and be lazy and i would leave the slides on with the socks not exactly the best walking shoes and then you would notice you know about a half mile in like hey big shocker you're, you're cramping up or or your <laughs> your strides feel a little labored because you know again these are not tennis shoes so that's been the, you know kind of the only motivation to get out of the slides and put Get old sneakers on is just for that reason. But other than that, uh, you know, again, I, I'm a big proponent of it. There's a reason I lo- I respect Sam the way I do, Jake. It's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, and the respect is growing. So, I, 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 Sam, for someone like you, who who does what you do for a living, how are you doing it under these circumstances? Give us a glimpse of your typical day. Um, it's, you know, we were, we work remotely a lot anyway. I don't know what the percentages would be. You know what I mean? Like on average, I, I probably go to one to two games a week. It's not, you know, it used to be more when I was a beat writer, but now it's probably one, you know, there's weeks when you do three, maybe four in a really heavy week. But so, you, you, you know, you got one or two nights, uh, additional at home instead of being in the field. And then certainly, Road trips don't exist anymore, and those are, on average, going to be like three to six days where you're away from home. And so those are the things that are gone. And so now it's in the office all the time. Uh, I think I probably told you guys last week I was learning about how I need to get out and take these walks to make phone calls for work so that I'm not distracted because the family is home all the time now. And then we have our two sons who are, you know, pretty active. 13 and 11 year old and pretty loud a lot of different times and 
So that's been an adjustment, um, kind of living in that different ecosystem all the time. Um, but beyond that, you're trying to find the next story angle, and a lot of times you're really having to work hard to get people's cooperation. Um, you know, I interviewed Matisse Thibel of the Sixers for a story that ran earlier this week, just a Q&A that I enjoyed because he had had a bunch of fun social media postings about quarantine life as a player. And it's like the NBA helped me secure that phone interview. And so that was a success. And then it's like, we actually, in the shameless plug here, guys, and you've always been so supportive of kind of our program and our company is um, we have a, a, a big time jazz story coming out tomorrow that's taken up a lot of my time for the past week and a half or two weeks where it's been a month uh, since the uh, the night in Oklahoma City, uh, almost a month, March 11th, when the season came to a stop and when Rudy tested positive. And so we tried to go back and, and kind of tell the story of, you know, the weeks ahead of when that happened and, and then the time afterwards as well. And I worked on that with, with my friend and, and co-worker Tony Jones and Sean Sharania at our place. You know, and that stuff's all obviously over the phone where it's, um, you know, talking to different people who were there and who were part of it and then doing it remotely because you're certainly not uh, getting on a plane to go talk to anybody right now. Well, Sam, on, on kind of that note, of course, we'll we'll talk to you about that next week after it's uh, released and we'll certainly dig into it coming up tomorrow. But do you want to give us a little preview, just a little taste of what to look forward to with that piece? Sure. I mean, I would put it this way, like, it's funny because honestly, I initially I wasn't part of the project Um Tony and Shams had gotten to work and done some really good work on it. But then when we had Joe Ingles on the podcast and he shared a bunch of insight about that experience, it, it kind of piqued my interest even more. And, and, you know, and then I tried, and what's fun about our, our, our company and our staff and the way it works is like, you end up just collaborating and it's like a little bit of like, Hey, you know, which people do you think you'd be able to connect with and learn you know, tidbits from, um, and the, you know, who's got, who's got what relationships and, and where could you make an impact? And that's kind of how we went about it. Uh, my thing would be this, is that, you know, when Rudy tested positive, uh, and I get it for sure that, you know, the optics of that shoot around, um, moment when he touched all the microphones, the morning of the Toronto game at home, the optics were just awful in hindsight. And, and so he becomes the worst kind of poster boy, you know, for the coronavirus. Um, the part that people, you know, I'll put it this way, that I don't think people are necessarily aware of and that, you know, we get into pretty deeply is that um, the way that jazz and, and even the Thunder, but it is a jazz-centric story, but the way that they had actually handled um, this situation in the weeks leading up to that point and the, the many things that had gone on behind the scenes for them to educate their players and try to stay on top of this situation um, I mean, it, it flies in the face of what the perception was of that one moment with Rudy, if that makes sense. Like it's, uh, so it's a fascinating dichotomy because, you know, it, there, there was a lot that had gone on to educate these guys. And I think, honestly, just me talking here, but like, you know, some of the frustration surrounding Rudy was partly because folks uh, with the organization, you know, they knew what he had been exposed to in terms of the education and and so, uh, you know, his attitude was a little more puzzling in that regard. So um, it's also just a lot from that night, you know, moments from the locker room when they were in there for five hours and, 
you know, trying to find a hotel room after that, trying to get home. Um, you know, we don't have the entire story. It's always a little tricky because there's parts that, that you just can't tell because certain people, you know, there's going to be a political component to it. But um, I think there's a lot more that, that we have that hasn't been out there yet. Yeah, Sam, I know I know two things. One is that Quinn Snyder had gone to great lengths to educate guys, and in the aftermath, Quinn was was uh, showed quite the leadership in uh, in getting uh, things put into place so that they could uh, find a place to stay and get back home. Uh, I, I know those For two sure. things. Uh huh. Yep. I'll, yeah. Let me, let me let me ask you this, Sam. Um, how excited are you about watching NBA players play horse? <laughs> more excited than I was to watch them play 2K. So, like, we're, we're going in the right direction. Um, but the, my baseline was pretty low. Uh, the 2K interest was non-existent. And my horse interest, like, I'll give it a peek. Um, you know, the, the question is, I, I mean, I very well may enjoy it. You know, when I was around the Warriors a lot, during their rise and their dynasty, if you will. Um, you know, like I, yes, I would stop what I was doing pregame to go watch Steph Curry shoot from half court, to go watch Steph Curry shoot from the tunnel. Um, and that's entertaining. The, the catch, obviously, is that not everybody is Steph Curry. So how do these other guys kind of deliver on that front? Um, you know, I think it could be a lot of fun. And if they showcase kind of like the skills that make you say, oh, this is why, you know, there's so much different than the guys at the pickup game at your local gym. Like if it leaves you feeling that way, then that could be really entertaining. So I think it's got potential. Just curious to see what the programming looks like, the style, the, you know, it's obviously got to be virtual. So like what's the interview process, you know, who's talking to these guys over Zoom, are you bringing out their personality? Uh, but I think it could be fun. And, and again, I you know the 2K thing, I get it because it's just video games around the world these days. And they probably got decent ratings, but that was not my bag at all. Sam, did you have a particular go-to uh, shot when it came to playing horse? Go-to shot when it came to playing horse. Um, the one bounce uh, 360 dunk, Gordon, was my favorite. <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, was that off the tramp? Question. Yeah, yeah, off the tramp on the six foot hoop. Um, go to shot. I don't know. I mean, I was always, you know, like everybody else. You're trying to, to you know, it's like the old McDonald's commercial with Larry and uh, the Larry and Magic in that one, where, yeah. where it's you know off the off the wall, off the rim. You know, trying to find a wall to bounce it off of, but. Yeah, I mean, plenty of horse games, um, you know, plenty of inappropriate jokes as a teenager when you get halfway through the horse game and, and it's spelling certain words that you're not supposed to say. Uh, you know, those are nostalgic memories. So, yeah, I mean, that's, the relatability is, is uh, the thing that I think could be smart about this concept just because, you know, that's – like I mentioned Steph earlier. Steph's really popular, I believe, because – because of his size and his style, you kind of feel like that could be you. The kids feel like that could be them. Well, horse is similar in terms of like everybody's played it, and, and now you get to see the best of the best play it and see how different it looks. 
Sam Amick of The Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Sam, we're doing, uh, Gordon and I are doing a little exercise today where we're doing evaluations for jazz players based on this season. And not that we're saying the season has been canceled uh, just yet, but that it, it is on pause, which is somewhat convenient for this exercise. So give us a little evaluation on Mike Conley and his season with the jazz thus far. Every week, man, you guys, this is our new ritual. You put me on the spot with, I haven't researched, you know, and now I got to cheat and, and go. Not that the, the counting stats, you know, mean all that much, but now I'm going to cheat and pull up Mike's stats for the year. I mean, the general narrative was uh, massive, uh, you know, kind of, I feel harsh saying disappointment, but early on, and I'm not saying him personally, individually, but just the fit. Um, early on, that was the feeling. Uh, why isn't this working? And then there were injuries. Um, and then there was success while he was out, um, you know, and then you, you've had some moments where, you know, it's been better. Um, but, you know, overall, they still haven't found their way with that fit. And, you know, this is not the Mike Conley that we've gotten used to seeing. But it's also, not, I'm not, you know, it's going to sound like I'm trying to take Mike off the hook completely. And admittedly, I, I am partly, but I believe this. Like, how many times do we need to get reminded that it's a five-man game that is just incredibly unpredictable when it comes to the way that these dynamics work within these players? You know, the one for me that was always the most stark that I covered was when Dwight Howard went to the Lakers and just everybody who knew the game was telling you, Kobe, Dwight Howard, and Steve Nash, like, can't miss with that. And it was a train wreck. Like, Steve obviously was hurt a lot, and Dwight had his back problems, but it didn't work. And so, um, you know, we see a lot that the fit just isn't always what you expect it to be. So I forget, Gordon, did you, were you telling me to put a grade on it or, or just a general assessment here? Uh, it, it, however you want to do it, Sam, a grade. We're really just generally assessing it, just kind of now that we have information. And it feels like, let me put it this way, it feels like the Jazz season all year has been what if. You know, if, if it fits, how good could they be? You know, when, when Mike gets back from injury and, and finally fits into the lineup, then they'll achieve their potential. And it's, it's just been about kind of what's next. And with this pause, we have a chance to look at what actually is. So that's kind of the exercise. Yeah, Jake, I think, I think in general, it's you know, if you want to just spin it glasses half full as a jazz fan, it would just be, you know, plenty of room for improvement. And, you know, it's easy to look at a guy like Mike and say, oh, maybe we just underestimated, you know, the the number of years he's been doing this and and maybe this is just who he is. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, What I, you know, I think Mike himself would probably admit that the, the kind of adjustment period has just been more challenging than he realized it would be. That the programming, you know, that he had for all those years in Memphis was tough to get out of his system, and then trying to, to work your way into this system, but trying to do so respectfully because this core has been doing things, you know, for a minute here at a pretty high level. So uh, still a lot of room for improvement. But all things considered, team was sitting in fourth place in the West and. And, and not looking too shabby. So, you know, you, you can't complain too much. 
Yeah, Sam, I like the way you put that, room for improvement. Because when you hear those words, you immediately, well, if you think like I do, you think negative. Like, okay, they must be falling short. But inherent in those words is also the potential for getting better based on what you really got, what you got here on the roster, you know. And and there is room for improvement with that group and with Mike Conley specifically. So even though that sounds negative, it's really kind of, Kind of a positive, too. Yeah, and, and again, um, the reality is, the harsh reality is that because they're fourth in the West and because you know, I'm going to look at their schedule and see, I kind of forget how they were going when it came to a halt, but like, you know, they, all right, so they had won five out of six when they came to a halt. Like, if they were seventh in the West, eighth, ninth, then... You know, even somebody like me who makes sure he doesn't traffic in hot takes, you know, I'd probably be having a, a tougher tone on this topic because the collective success had been so far below what they thought they would be. You know, it's, again, all things considered, if I was Quinn Snyder and Dennis Lindsay, everybody in that locker room, I'm looking at this going, guys, like, we're in a good spot. Mike's, you know, still chipping away at this thing from a comfort standpoint. And, you know, and, and we are in position to have home court edge in the first round of the playoffs. Not to mention that, you know, they're a game and a half behind Denver for the third spot. So that's definitely within reach. So, um, you know, what if Mike finds his way? Then next thing you know, you're, you're pushing the Clippers at number two. Sam, I want to sneak in one more question. And it, it, what, what spurred this was when earlier when you were talking about Steph, you know, you probably know him about as well as any media member does, uh, and have been around him and have observed him a lot. Uh, do, how well do you know him, and w- what makes that guy tick? Who is he really? Um, I I feel like I mean I know him fairly well. I would uh, my my mind instantly feels the need to uh, make sure I, I give a shout out to my friend and athletic colleague. You know, Marcus Thompson is gotten to know Steph and done better work on Steph than anybody in the business. And he's covered him since his rookie year. And he's written a book about him called Golden. You're welcome, Marcus. Trying to sell a few books for you here, buddy. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I've been around Steph a lot and enjoyed him a great deal. Um, you know, and it's even the rare stuff is, you know, I've had some interactions with Steph that went uh, away from the court. You know, he's actually met my kids. I don't think he's met my wife, but I've talked to him about my wife before. Um, this is not normally the type of stuff I do, but I remember one time, you know, I mentioned to him that I uh, I wanted to check out his wife's restaurant in San Francisco, and the first thing out of his mouth was, "Well, if you do, just make sure that you know you tell their PR guy Ray Ritter about it." And he's like, "You know, uh, would love to uh, make sure you guys have a good time." Like that's just kind of how he's wired, um, and he would extend that sort of a courtesy to you know, hundreds of people in his circle. Um, he's a kind dude who was raised right, you know, with his folks in North Carolina, uh, Dell and Sonia Carey. And I mean, I don't know how to answer the question, Gordon, other than, he's, you know, he's just a well-rounded person. And he's, I, I really enjoyed, I'm sure you guys saw yesterday, the video of him FaceTiming the nurses. I forget which city in the Bay Area there were, but there were these nurses, uh, one in particular, it was had you know her entire medical outfit was warrior's gear and it was she had Steph Curry shoes on from Under Armour and so Steph had heard about this 
And he took the time to FaceTime this group of nurses and sit there and talk about what they were going through and share his respect and his appreciation. You know, and he is he's certainly a very strong Christian man. And they even talked in the video call about the nurse had written on the collar of her outfit, you know, I can do uh, all things through him. And, you know, that's, that's, he's just, you know, he's got a good heart. And uh, I do appreciate just as a dad myself, like, you know, he's a good example for the kids. You know what I mean? Like he puts good messaging out there uh, and then works his, his backside off when it comes to the game and is obviously one of the all-time great players. Well, Sam, we certainly look forward to that piece dropping tomorrow in The Athletic. Not only will we uh, read it, but we'll spread the word as soon as we can. Look forward to it, and thanks, as always, for jumping on with us. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. I appreciate you. You too, Sam. Sam Amick of The Athletic, and uh, he teased it earlier on in the interview, but uh, they've got an in-depth piece on the Jazz coming out tomorrow with Sham Sharania, Tony Jones, and, of course, Sam as uh, talking about how the Jazz have handled things and the kind of the whole journey. And we talked about it on Wednesday, Gordon. It was four weeks ago on Wednesday that that actually happened. So I'm very eager to see what uh, comes out tomorrow in that story. Oh, yeah, that's a powerful uh, threesome there, isn't it? Those You get those three guys together, and you're going to have uh, yourself a quality piece, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it should be a well-written story. I, I agree. Tony, Sam, and, and uh, Shams are, are very good at uh, yeah, what they do. I love, I love, I love that Tony's terrific, and, and, and Sam, I mean, if I were a subject— and I was going to be interviewed by someone, and I wanted to be treated fairly. If Sam showed up at your door, would you not? Uh, would you not feel pretty good about that? Yeah, I would. I would. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone.